What is going on, Vpoints? My name is John, an 11th grader. I am the president and founder of the Computer Science Club, a programmer on the VEX Robotics team, and am currently conducting independent research on incorporating music and artificial intelligence. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the role of AI in education. And joining me, a student favorite teacher, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Donahue. How are you, Mr. Donahue? Wow, I don't think I can top that intro, John. I, I don't know if I, I don't even know if I'll live up to it, but I'll try. I'm doing pretty good today. Thank you for having me. That's awesome to hear. So, Mr. Donahue, to kick off our episode today, why don't you just tell us a bit about、um, what actually is AI? Because today, when we mention AI, there's this type of connotation where people tend to think about AI as humanoid robots. That's going to replace a lot of people in the workforce. So, what are your thoughts on this definition of AI? Yeah, that, I think that's a great question. And if you ask a hundred different AI researchers how they define AI, I think you'd probably get at least a hundred ten different answers. So, I'll give my perspective, but nobody really agrees on these exact definitions. So,、um, as a general principle, I kind of tend to tend to lean towards broad definitions for everything, and maybe a broad definition for AI as well. So. For me, I would say anytime a program is doing any kind of decision making, pattern recognition, learning, creating, I would say that counts as at least some amount of intelligence. And being that it's a program, it's artificial. So, if if that is happening, I feel like it's at least some amount of artificial intelligence.、Uh, but definitely, I would say when I think when the average person hears AI, I agree. I think they probably are imagining in their heads. Futuristic sci-fi,、uh, the robot is being exactly like a human, or can think exactly like a human, or maybe even better than a human, and that definitely is not what computer scientists or AI people mean when they say AI. They may also mean that, but a more inclusive definition. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, right? And I think it's so important. For people to understand that AI isn't something that's incredibly complex, it has a much more inclusive definition. It is not necessarily sci-fi robots that、um, everyone thinks about, but simpler computer programs. However, even these simple programs can do a lot of damage to our workplace in terms of revolutionizing the ways that we have manufacturing goods. Um, transporting goods、uh, and people, we also see a lot of entrepreneurs, innovators nowadays. People like Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, where each of them has their own AI company that is trying to come up with unique solutions、uh, to do things more efficiently. We even have politicians now, like Andrew Yang, warning people about this autonomous revolution. What are your thoughts on this future? Where AI will be taking over people's job, and going a step further, actually, as an educator, what role do you see education play、um, in this future? Great question. So, the first thing is, whenever I hear the word future in in the context of technology, we should be careful here, because we can look to past predictions people made about their future and technology, and almost never. Does that actually work out in the way that is done? So any predictions that anyone is making should be taken with a, a pretty big grain of salt. 
So kind of my, my favorite example, I think, is in the 1940s, Thomas Watson, the president of IBM. IBM, for people who don't know, is a big computer company, especially big in the 1940s, but still big now. And he said in the 1940s that he couldn't really imagine a world where there would be more than five computers, why you would need more than five computers in the, in the world. Uh, and now there are billions of computers in the world. And I, he wasn't dumb. He's a very smart guy. I don't even think it really makes sense to call him short-sighted. It's just, you can't really predict things. He had no way of knowing what would happen. He had no way of knowing that transistors would be developed and, and made to the scale that they are now. It, it just, it's hard to, hard to think about in a concrete way. So now that I've established that predicting, trying to make long-term predictions about technology is foolhardy, let me try to foolhardily make some long-term predictions about technology. Um, so. I would say I agree. It makes sense to be think with all of those many smart people you listed at the beginning. It makes sense to be thinking about what role AI is going to have on the workforce, what's going to happen to the job market as AI starts to be able to do more and more things, maybe in some ways replacing workers. So what I tend to think is for the most part right now, almost everything that AI is good at, an AI plus human is better at. So even though AI is better than humans at playing chess, even though AI is better than humans at playing Go, those are just games, but it's, it's true for pretty much anything uh, that AI is currently already better than humans at. It's still the case that if you have an AI working with a human, that's better still. And that's kind of always been true. Maybe it will stop being true at some point. Like I said, I can't really predict the future, but I would theorize that that will be true for a good while at the very least. And so... To that end, I think the right way for an individual to try to prepare themselves for the autonomous revolution is to be ready to be the person who can work with that AI. Um, and that doesn't mean you need to be an expert in AI. Having some kind of understanding of it and having some kind of understanding of how computers work is helpful. But I think in general, computer science has always needed people who know their thing, their domain, like real experts, and also some CS. Uh, but I think now that's especially true with AI, and I think that will especially be true over the, over the next coming decades. Um, but it is, if we just let the world run without thinking about the negative impacts automation could have on, on the workforce, I do think that could be a very bleak future. So we do need to seriously think about what we can do to support people in our society, whether, what, what, whether people necessarily need to always work, whether there are maybe more creative off the wall approaches to, uh, reshaping society and what that might look like and how we could get there. Right, yeah, so really the autonomous revolution isn't only a revolution in the workforce, but also it's gonna be a social revolution that's changing people's perspective towards work and actually towards life in general. So how should education change, if it should change at all, to better prepare students for this autonomous revolution? What do you think are some things that are more necessary, especially in this future? And what are some of the things that you think maybe we have to prioritize more in our everyday curriculum? I think probably one change that should be thought about is more CS education. Um, I, I would, separate from the autonomous revolution, but like especially in light of the autonomous revolution and the possibility of it, I would argue CS might be thought of more like a core class than an elective class which is not really how it is. Right now it is kind of thought of as an elective class, I think for, for, for most people. And it being a core class doesn't necessarily mean everybody needs to take it for all four years of high school, but 
um, thinking about how there could be at least ACS class in every high school would be, I think, a good step in the right direction. Um, ideally, not just ACS class, but a whole program of, of CS for the people who are definitely interested in it. Another idea, I think, just as a general principle, we should try to move away from rote memorization and being good at performing a kind of almost mindless procedure. If, if you think about how much time is spent in education on teaching students how to do a process that definitely could be done by a computer in that it is being done by a computer and it definitely is already better for a computer to do it than a human to do it. It just makes sense to kind of use human brain power for the things that human brain power is better than computers are, even if that, I guess, maybe it won't, won't always be true, but um, focusing right now on learning things that are definitely better for computers to do than humans to do feels like a weird choice. I think that has already started to happen. There's been a push in thinking more about understanding things and less about memorization over the, over the past couple of decades in education. But I think that trend needs to continue and maybe even accelerate. Yeah, definitely. Understanding is so much more important than just memorizing key facts. Um, so, so now that we've talked about the teachers and the education system, um, let's shift our focus to actually the individual students. What are some of the things that you would recommend students today to start doing in order to have a greater chance of success in the age of AI? You know, like what are some really practical, actionable things that we should be doing to increase our technology literacy and just learn more about AI in general? Yeah, that's that's excellent question. Um, I guess the key thing, the most important thing is just practice actually thinking. Um, so hopefully, ideally, you get the chance to do this in school, but if that's not happening for you in classes or not happening as much as you'd like, find a way that you can practice that. And so doing programming CS and, and not just CS, but that is one way that you could definitely do it. So anybody can learn to program. There are so many resources online at this point. It is very easy to do. And it is almost impossible to program without practicing abstract thinking. So for sure, you'll do it then. If you have the opportunity, um, if you have the opportunity to take a CS class, or if there, you don't have a class at your school, because many, many students don't actually have that opportunity, or maybe you don't have time in your schedule for a CS class, probably you could at least do some kind of extracurricular thing. And so in particular, at Viewpoint, we have the CS club. So a lot of schools, even if they don't have a CS class, they probably have a CS club or maybe not probably, you could always make one if you don't have one at your school, but Viewpoint has the CS club. So any Viewpoint students listening, if you're interested in learning more about CS, kind of not at the level of having to do homework, not in my, in my class, I don't give homework anyway, but not in the level of having to take a whole class. Um, CS club would be a good way to dip your toe in the water and, and start to think about some of these things at the level of being able to think about how to use computers and use AI without having to necessarily be a programmer as you as you kind of who you are yeah yeah i really like that quote right there anyone can learn how to program programming isn't something that's limited to only the few smart kids uh, that understands math really well by simply joining a club or actually starting your own club you can begin to train yourself how to think critically about the problems that you're dealing with and how to work systematically uh, through the problem to actually find a solution and that's just a skill not only 
in CS, but in live, it's just going to be so important in the age of AI. I guess next up, and this is actually something we're doing in CS Club already, for students who are really passionate about AI,、um, who are really serious about pursuing perhaps a career in computer science. What are some of the things that they should be working on in high school? What are some projects?、Um, what are some books? What are some papers that they should be reading?、Um, how should they prepare themselves for success、uh, for success in for career in computer science? Sure. So I guess if we're if we're really aiming for AI research,、uh, AI research requires not just computer science thinking, but definitely math thinking.、Um, so. Making sure that you're not just taking CS classes and preparing for CS classes, but also taking math classes. Now, if I'm if hearing the word math is making you think, oh no, I like CS, but I don't like math, so I can't be an AI researcher. The math that you've probably done if you're a student is not really very much at all like the math that is done past high school. Maybe kind of the first couple of years of of college math when you're just doing calculus, maybe that kind of matches the high school experience, but. Beyond that, it's a very different thing, and so I, I would discourage anyone from getting scared just about math. There's no such thing as people who are bad at math. I think a lot of people have this perception、um, that they are bad at math. I, nobody would ever say,、uh, "Oh, I'm just, you know, bad at at reading things." Like I, I, I proudly, I hear people like proudly say, "Oh, I'm just bad. I'm bad at math."、Uh, That's a silly kind of perspective. I think I, it makes sense why people would have it, but try to get away from that. It's not really a, a reasonable thing. Maybe you had a bad math experience. Maybe you don't like the math you've done so far.、Um, maybe you were bad at the math you've done so far, but that doesn't mean you can't get good at it.、Um, so, I guess circling back to kind of concretely answer the question, make sure you are preparing yourself by taking classes. And if you can't take actual classes, you can always do a lot of this online. So. Things that you'd want to be thinking about: just core programming skills for sure.、Um, in the field of math, knowing calculus in particular, you want to get to at least multivariable calculus at some point. Doesn't doesn't need to happen in high school, but you want to be kind of thinking to be able to do that. Linear algebra is also very very helpful, and then statistics, probability and statistics. That I think is、uh, actually I'd like to kind of add that to the earlier thing that we were talking about: how education should change.、Um, That should happen anyway. Again, separate from the autonomous revolution, but I think the general populace has a very poor understanding of probability and statistics, and that's almost essential to having any kind of understanding of how AI works. And so that should be something for sure. People are thinking about everyone, society, but also individual students. And then, like you, you mentioned projects. I think projects are, in general, in in anything. I think a great way to learn, especially in CS, maybe especially, especially in AI. So there are maybe a, a good kind of starting point for people to kind of start moving from just CS to more in the AI direction. Would be look up some some courses. Popular courses would be you can take online without being an enrolled student. Andrew Ng has a kind of famous machine learning course. That's I feel like almost anybody who's done AI has. has Done that if they started in within the past decade or so,、um, so that that's a great course to just get at least something started. And then once beyond that,、um, uh, in the vein of projects, a great resource is Kaggle. Kaggle K A G G L E、um, has datasets and competitions, and、um, you can try your hand at actually doing the AI, not just learning about it, but actually doing it in practice. And doing it in practice, there's a lot of 
a lot of different details than you often find out about in courses. Courses take a generally a more theoretical approach to things. And if you had, even if you're doing homework or labs in the courses, you end up getting kind of pre-processed data that's all nice for you. Uh, and if you're trying to actually do stuff, you end up having to play around a bit more with the data. And so that is, that is a good skill to develop. And the other great thing about Kaggle is there's, uh, they call them notebooks where people have already done code to work with the data and you can see that code and, and start use that as a starting point and play around with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And besides Kaggle, there's so many great uh, resources out there on YouTube, on Coursera, Udemy, FX. They're just completely free courses made by amazing creators that teaches you and walks you through every process from uh, setting up the computer for AI um, to making your first uh, number recognition project. And what I promise you is that when you're going through this process, you'll be absolutely fascinated by the problems that AI um, can help solve. And that actually leads us to the next topic for today's episode, and that is AI as a solution. From the world's biggest problems to just making our lives easier, AI targets everything. And I, by everything, I truly mean everything. One of these problems is education inequality. Currently, um, in the world, there is a great inequality in the, distrib in the distribution of quality education resources where kids in rural areas simply do not have the same access um, to teachers, to books, to school supplies, and that's limiting their growth at such an early age that throughout their life we see these students being put in a disadvantage. Um, so, Mr. Donahue, in your personal experience as a teacher or as a researcher, what are some of these problems, maybe it's not just so broad as education inequality, but what are some problems that you have personally noticed that can be solved with the help of AI? Yeah, that's a great question. So, first, just starting with the inequity in education. I think there's kind of a mess of multiple layers of, of inequity. If you, you talked about worldwide, we're thinking about the fact that the average student in, in the US is going to get a better education than the average student in a, a rural um, country that has maybe a, a less well-developed economy and a less well-developed government, and they have a less well-developed school system as a result of that. So that's probably the single biggest inequality, I think, worldwide, if you think about the number of students who are experiencing that, or some of them don't even have access to school, right? Maybe they're not even really students per se. The number of children who don't have access to, to real education, that's certainly the single largest um, layer of in inequity. But you could also just think within the US, there's also substantial inequity in education, both locationally, uh, also based on race and ethnicity, socioeconomic status, any kind of feature you could think of that is talked about as, as having inequities in society in general also has inequities in, in, in education. So I agree, kind of, I don't think AI is going to solve all of that, right? For sure. But what maybe, what role could AI play in education? And in particular, can that help uh, address some inequities? So thinking about the global inequities in education, even not AI, just kind of the fact that we have the internet and computers, I feel like this has helped some. Of course, they have to make sure that people have access to computers and the internet. But if we can do that, and, and that maybe is a more solvable problem than delivering pure education to all the people of the world, um, 
making sure that there's reliable internet in all areas and making sure that there's access to computers, that's a kind of a concrete solvable problem um, that society could take care of in theory. So if we have that, even something like Khan Academy is, is a amazing website nonprofit that delivers pretty good education for free to anybody with an internet connection. Um, and so then if you could think about how we can make something in that, in that vein, something, something just delivering education to anybody with internet connection, how you could make that better with AI, I think that seems like a, a plausible thing to have to be able to do. Um, being able to make it feel more education-like, right? I, and more tailored, more customized to the student. That said, I think the, the big thing to think about here, whenever you're using AI, whenever you're using technology, um, but especially I think AI and education, it's important to think about just because you are using AI doesn't mean that you're going to be addressing inequity, right? So actually AI can increase inequities. It can make its inequities that, that already exist. It can amplify them or it can introduce its own uh, inequities. So you should not assume that that is not happening. Oh, that is definitely an interesting perspective. So for the people out there that are trying to develop these type of solutions to you know these problems, what would you say to them? And what exactly is the process that they should be going through from a problem from problem statement to the project development? So I would say first, I'm not an expert in this, but I my first recommendation would be find the people who are experts in this. Uh, and so I would recommend there's a a great uh, program that I'm aware of called EdTech Equity Project. The program, not in the sense of computer program, but just a, an organization, I guess I should say. EdTech Equity Project. Uh, their website, I think, is edtechequity.org. Um, and they have a toolkit for companies to, uh, in EdTech and also for schools. Here are what you should think about when you are trying to evaluate if the EdTech that you are using is going to increase inequities racial inequities in particular, but inequities in general, or maybe hopefully uh, ameliorate them, but at least it shouldn't make them worse. Um, and so they have a, a great toolkit there and just kind of taking some of the things that jumped out at me and, and stick in my head. One thing that is, is important is you should be involving students and teachers in the process and a diverse array of students and teachers in, in the design process, right? Um, and making sure that you're considering all of the aspects. And then another very important thing is you need to make sure you're actually testing whether or not your uh, project or program or whatever is increasing inequity or not, right? That is a testable hypothesis and you should do that. And if you're not doing that, you are not living up to, I think your ethical requirements as a, as a researcher, as, as a business, et cetera, as a school. Um, and so I think Anytime that you're using EdTech, I think that's an important thing to think about. Right. And my intuition tells me that it's actually not only limited to EdTech, right? How important is it just generally to study ethics while developing AI technologies? Yeah. I, the short answer is essential. That, that, is, that is, no one should ever learn AI without also learning about ethics and thinking about ethics. I don't want to live in a world where... AI has been designed by people who aren't doing this. And I guess we already do live in that world, but I don't want to live in the world that that would be after multiple decades of it happening. So 
I, it's essential. You, you really, any technology has the potential for good uses and bad uses. So it's not like just because there are potential bad effects, we should just not do AI, but that means that we need to think about what those bad effects might be um, and think seriously about it and take steps to avoid them. So absolutely, 100%, unequivocally, thinking about ethics and AI is an essential thing for any AI researcher. Yeah, but even though there's so many companies, uh, there are certain companies right now that are thinking about uh, creating AI for social good, but the majority of them are still developing these technologies for profits. But in my opinion, uh, I think for AI to truly impact the world and solve the world's biggest problems, it can't uh, be done uh, for you know money. It, it really has to be done uh, for the good of society. So what would you say to these companies out there that are, are still not yet on this road of developing ethical AI? Um, like what would you do and, and how can we how can we get more people um, to be on this path of developing truly ethical AI for the good of society? Yeah, I guess I don't know if I'm going to convince people to set aside, you know, self-interest and, and, and greed and capitalist, capitalistic tendencies, but I guess I can try for a second. Um, think about what you want your life to be and what you want your impact on the world to be. Do you want it to just be that you accumulated money and had fun? Or do you want to do good for your fellow humans? I would like to believe that at least on some level, that is everybody feels that desire. And remember to always think about that. Um, I guess that would be my first advice. Now, I'm imagining that probably isn't going to be convincingly effective. So if you are still interested in thinking about profit motives, which I imagine people are, I would argue not thinking about ethics is actually not necessarily good for your profits. Maybe it might be okay for your short-term profits, but for example, not to call it a company, but Facebook and the role that has played in, in the disinformation and conspiracy theory conversation, I don't think that has been good for Facebook, all of the attention that has been, that has been paid to that issue by the general public now, that is not good for Facebook's PR. That is not good for their user base. That is not good for their advertising, advertising revenue. There's a lot of not good things happening there. So maybe it was good in the short term because it was promoting their user metrics. Was it good in the long term to not think about those things? I don't think it was, right? So even just if you're motivated purely by profit, it still makes sense to think about these things because eventually you'll probably get blowback and that blowback will probably cost you stuff and it might even force your company to go under. So I guess you could try to just get in while the getting is good and, and get the money that you can and hope you are gone by the time that the problem happens. But I don't think that's a safe strategy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, although we covered a lot of ground today, right, in our conversation going from what is AI to education in dealing with the future of AI to now AI's solution and how to develop ethical AI, there's still a long way to go before we actually get our society to partake onto this like, movement of developing AI to the good. And to me, I think the, the key here is to recognize that change starts today, right? Change starts with us, the young generation. And if you're a young listener out there, this question is for you. Mr. Donahue, what are some problems that students today should be working on? And where should they start 
and how should they use AI to achieve what they want? Great question. I don't, there's a lot of problems. Just look around, pick one that interests you and, and think about how to work towards it. Um, we've, we've talked about uh, racial inequity. There's socioeconomic inequity. There's also problems that aren't directly related to inequity. Of course, those aren't the only two inequities either, but pick a problem that's interesting to you that you would feel good about solving and work towards it, right? What are some of the big ideas just to, to get them out there? I guess I would say kind of inequity as a general principle, so all of that wrap it up into one. Food production, because obviously that's more or less a solved problem for middle-class and above Americans, but for the rest of the world, that's not a solved problem. And climate is a pretty big one. Thinking about how to do renewable energy and how to maybe try to undo some of the damage we've done to the climate seems like a, a pretty big uh, area of, of thing to think about. Medicine also, uh, that's maybe also pretty topical. Um, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. And just really just so many possibilities out there, right? so many problems that we can pursue, uh, so many ways for today's generation to make the world a better place. Um, so yeah, to close off our interview today, Mr. Donahue, are there anything that you would like to say to our listeners that perhaps we just haven't had a chance to talk about today? Uh, well, first, thanks, thanks for having me. It was, it was a fun interview for me as well. Um, I don't know if I have anything to mention that we didn't talk about at all, but I'll just say kind of in closing, my, my, my summary of, the, of what I would say are, are my main takeaways for the viewer or a listener, I should say. AI is cool, but potentially dangerous. So you should think carefully about what the, what the implications are for the world. As, as an AI, AI researcher, you should, but just society, we should. Um, so thinking about ethics in AI is absolutely crucial. If there was nothing else you took away from, from this interview, I think that would be the single most important thing. Uh, separately, I encourage everyone to start thinking about how computers work and how AI works. Um, and what that looks like for you. It doesn't mean you need to become a programmer. Maybe you could. It's actually pretty fun. Give it a try. Maybe you'll like it. But maybe it doesn't need to be that. But at least understanding how computers work. Don't just treat them as magic black boxes. Peer inside. Yeah, so have the courage uh, to get out of your comfort zone, uh, to learn about programming, to learn about computers, because you will need them in the future. And... Again, as Mr. Donahue said, uh, the most important takeaway, if you, the one thing you, you just got to take away from today's episode, is just that as we're marching towards this future of the autonomous revolution, of this interaction between human and machines, it is so important to think about ethics and how we develop technologies for the good of society and not only for profit. Thanks so much for tuning in to hear this episode. And thank you so much, Mr. Donahue, for joining me today. All right. Thanks, John. <laughs>